Hello, welcome back to Fast Charge. Uh, I am joined this week by Chris, who should be a familiar face by now. Hello. Uh, and for the first time on the show, Somrata, who's a regular member of the team, but making her Fast Charge debut. Hello. Cool. Um, so after a couple busy weeks in a row, this week is back to being relatively quiet. Tech industry hasn't had much to talk about. Uh, obviously, we've had the launch of the iPhone SE, so I'm going to be talking about that a bit later because I've been playing around with the SE for the past week or so, and I'm going to give you my thoughts so far. But before that, we are going to take a look at the Amazfit or Amazfit X, which is a fancy curved screen smartwatch that just launched. And then we are going to chat about Samsung's pledge that it is working on a 600 megapixel camera sensor. So, uh, Amazfit slash Amazfit. I actually think it's Amazfit, which has always really bothered me, but I, it really should be Amazfit. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> the Amazfit X uh, has made its crowdfunding debut this week. Uh, it's a curved display smartwatch that actually launched at IFA last year. So that was September 2019. Um, I was there when they sort of unveiled it. At the time, it was just a concept product. Um, and now it is on Indiegogo, and you can buy it right now for a really unexpectedly low price, I have to say. Uh, Chris, you were sort of taking a proper look at this this morning. What are you? What are we looking at here? Yeah, so I actually didn't know much about this until this morning, So, but I have written it up. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's basically a, a curved wearable with an AMOLED screen, um, and yeah, they put it on Indiegogo yesterday and it's already hit pretty much 1,500% of its £16,000 goal. Um, <laughs> so that's like pretty much 2,000 backers um, straight off um, coming up to like £250,000 of pledges um, because you can buy it for like 120 quid basically. Yeah, was it like hundred and forty nine dollars? Uh, is that the current hundred and forty nine dollars like... instead of three hundred and twenty nine? So it's like fifty four percent off if you yeah. get on Indiegogo and back it. And the um, thing is, even three hundred and twenty nine is a pretty good price for what you're getting. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it looks pretty pretty nice. Yeah, so if if you're not aware of the Amazfit X, it kind of looks like a. It looks a bit like a band fitness tracker, you know, those sort of thin wraparound ones rather than a watch, um, except that it has a big, like, tall, thin, curved AMOLED display running across the whole front, um, which is... Um, 2.07 inches. There you go. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's sort of curved it. They've made a big fuss about saying it's curved at like exactly 92 degrees or something. And this is the perfect curvature for the human wrist. And yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what they say. Um, but otherwise, it's all the kind of specs you'd kind of want to get. There's GPS in there, um, two types of GPS, there's GPS and G-O-N-A-S-S. Um, there's a heart rate sensor, there's actually a, a PPG sensor, so kind of getting into that ECG space, but it's not quite going to be medically certified. Um, water resistant, sleep tracking, SpO2 sensor, so it gets your blood oxygen. Uh, it's got a lot of what you'd want. There's no NFC. So you can't make payments with it, uh, but it's stuck in the Amazfit operating system anyway. So you're not getting um, access to all that stuff. So you wouldn't really, it wouldn't have support for Apple Pay or Google Pay or anything like that anyway. So 
that's kind of to be expected. Um, it's also I, touting a seven-day battery life. Yeah. From from just a little, it, it, and it's only got a two hundred milliamp hour battery. What I will say is that I totally believe that, having used other Amazfit watches before. Um, okay. Yeah. B- because they have the ones they've used have really quite comfortably done two or three week battery life. Right. Um, yeah. I was I was about to ask because you've reviewed the GTS. Yeah. Like, the the one that the looks S- basically like an Apple Watch. Yeah. I think that was the yeah. GTS. So I've reviewed that yeah. one. Uh, we've also had the, I think there's a GTX as well, which is that but round. Uh, we had the T-Rex in the office as well, which is their more sort of rugged one. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're all really good. They're, if you don't know the, the brand Amazfit, they're actually owned by a company called Huami. Um, and if you don't know them, they basically, they built themselves up essentially manufacturing Xiaomi's wearables. So if you've bought a Xiaomi like Mi Band or anything like that, that was actually a Huawei designed and assembled product that they just did under the Xiaomi brand. And then they kind of eventually hit a point where they realized, oh, we can we can actually make these ourselves and put our own brand on them. And they still do products for Xiaomi as well. But um, Yeah, and all those Xiaomi ones are like really good. Yeah, they're great. Because um, they, they're ones are like great crazy too. cheap. Yeah, and it's the same thing. Their, their products are basically very, very affordable. Um, they've gone higher end in the stuff they make for themselves and trying to hit properly into the smartwatch space, um, but still very, very good pricing. The big downside is software. You are on the Amazfit OS. There's no support for external apps, essentially. Uh, you're not tied into the Google ecosystem or Apple ecosystem or anything like that. Um, so you're kind of locked in with what you get from them, which is fine but limited very good on the fitness tracking stuff but integration with other apps is limited Um, you can get notifications and things like that through but it's not going to be that nice seamless smartwatch experience you might get with certainly not with an apple watch um it's not even as good as wear os which is um really saying something so is that uh why someone might prefer to buy a fitbit smartwatch instead of one yeah i mean fitbit in a way have the same problem in that everything's tied into their Fitbit software, but at least they have better integration with third party apps. Like there is more, you know, I think, you know, you can still get Spotify support on a Fitbit and stuff like that, which you're just not going to get with this. Um, But for the kind of specs you'll get, you'll save easily a couple hundred pounds. Um, And like right now, I mean, no one else makes something that looks like this, right? Um, The closest we've ever seen before was the Nubia Alpha, uh, which was the same sort of concept. Um, it actually had a properly flexible display in that this is curved, but it's in a fixed curvature. The new Brew Alpha was a, a flexible display, like on a you know folding phone. Um, but that thing was big and ugly, and it didn't work very well. There was um, also the Samsung Gear S, which oh, yeah. I, I've literally just remembered about now. I couldn't remember the model, but I've managed to find it on google um which similarly curved screen but it was really it's not like tall and and thin it's like really wide i I never tried it out but it looks a bit nuts i'm not really sure i can't remember what happened with it but it obviously wasn't a success i don't remember that one at all i'll be honest (laughs) maybe it never came out Uh, yeah, no, apparently that one completely passed me by. Well, you'd um, think if, if anyone could have done it a while ago, it would have been Samsung. Totally. Um, 
and you know, and I, I, I'm glad we're seeing this happen, and may, and I hope Samsung would come back to it and, and other brands. Like the thing I thought when I tried the new Beer Alpha was that it was a brilliant concept that was kind of badly executed, um, and I think I would trust a Maze Fit more with a watch. Uh, you know, having used other watches of theirs that were good, I trust that they'll pull it off better, and the software around it will be that bit better than new Beer was. Um, I would love to see something like this come from apple or someone in wear os wear os would be difficult because you'd have to redo the whole os to make it fit with the display which is the challenge and why it makes sense that these are all coming from other companies right now um but it's cool and i mean at that price like you know even at the full price of 300 dollars, like it's 300 dollars would be a good price for most of those smartwatch features anyway uh throw in the fact that it's in this wild display and design um it's cool and you know, I'm credit still a, to the, mm-hmm. I'm sort of tempted to buy one. I, I had a moment I where I thought, <laughs> 120 quid, like, I can just get yeah. one. Um, I don't normally buy stuff, especially on crowdfunding, but no. sort of tempted. And there's only 78 left, which sort of makes it seem <laughs> even more tempting. Yeah, I know, right? As soon as you know, like, the numbers in the early bird pricing are disappearing. Yeah. Um, though yeah i mean it's worth saying this is still crowdfunding so i think they're saying shipping in august is that right chris yeah august 20, august this year yeah so it'll still be a while um but i mean I'm, I'm still just kind of amazed that it exists and seems to work as well as it does from what they're showing i saw one in a glass case at IFA, so i never got to touch it but i kind of they had one and i got to see it at a distance and see that it was a real thing um but, you know, they're, they're talking about things like the motherboard is split into three parts so that it can fit the curvature. And even the battery is, like, segmented so that it can... Cur- or the, is the battery actually curved, I think? They've, they've yeah. called it a curved battery, yeah. Yeah, they've segmented the motherboard and they've curved the battery, which is just silly. But, like, it's cool. I quite want to buy cool. one and take it apart. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's buttonless as well. It's all pressure-sensitive points instead yeah. of buttons. Um like it's it's the Nubia Alpha looked like a prop from the 60s Star Trek and you know that kind of like retro future someone's vision of what the future should look like but it's a bit too like chunky and you know that there's just too many like moving bits and knobs and dials and things that don't need to be there um this looks like what would happen if Star Trek Discovery had to do the updated design of the bad prop from the original series to make it look <laughs> like it was still sci-fi, you know. Um, it's, it looks it's, super cool. It's, um, it's got some. I'm trying to find the the details, but it sounded like when I wrote up this morning, it had some pretty good build quality as well. It's like curved uh, gorilla glass. I can't I can't seem to find which. Oh, it's gorilla glass too. Yeah, they are definitely saying it's scratch proof. Um, and I think I said it's water resistant, five ATM. So yeah. Um, basically, all you're missing is NFC and LTE. There's no LTE option, which is a bit of a shame. Um, I think that's probably the biggest omission that might bother some people. Uh, so it's calling. Well, it's only Gorilla Glass three. Oh, okay. Um, but maybe that's because it's curved, um, and then it's a titanium alloy like the rest of the body. Yeah. And so did I mean, you say that they're... Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. Yeah. Uh, so did you say that they're planning to release it in August? Well, they're shipping in August. They're shipping the crowdfunded ones. And then they're saying that 
I guess at some point it will t- they'll take it off Indiegogo and it will be properly on sale. It's sort of a funny move. It's one of those things where I, I don't think they've crowdfunded before. You know, n- normally they just make a product and put it on sale. Um, uh, so it's a bit of an odd move with this one that it has gone crowdfunded. And I guess they were kind of just hoping to test the waters and test test demand and make sure it's something people actually want to buy. Um, so I don't know what availability like on this will be going forwards after this. Um, but I think, especially at this early bird price, loads of people are just going to buy on a whim just because it's cool, even if they never use it. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to it. I've I've been really impressed with the amazing stuff I've used before, just with that caveat that software-wise it's not all that great. But then outside of an Apple Watch, the software's kind of bad on all of them, like. I don't love much smartwatch software, so I always feel like it's a bit of a much of a muchness. When I complain that the software's bad, it's like, yeah, but I say the exact same thing in every review of every non-Apple Watch smartwatch. Right. <laughs> uh, and I, I say that as someone who does not use an Apple Watch and is not a massively you know, Apple fan or whatever, it's just like all the others are really bad. <laughs> no one's really figured it out yet. Um, but yeah. This sounds uh, like a, a great alternative if you don't want to spend the 400 pounds or more on an Apple Watch. Yeah, totally. And, you know, but you do want something that looks cool and pretty sci-fi in a way that some some smartwatches do, but a lot still look like big, chunky blocks. Um, I, yeah. I definitely think we'll see more of this kind of design going forwards. Totally. Uh, I'm honestly surprised it's taken this long, and I wonder if it's maybe just because actually the Nubia Alpha was too early and like a bit ahead of its <laughs> time and it wasn't quite ready yet, um, because I was just waiting after that for all the other ones to come out, and it's been over a year i think since the new beer yeah. offer and, and i've just been still waiting I'm like come on where and then you know this got announced six months ago and it's taken this long to actually come to a point where people can even put money down and it's going to be another few months before anyone gets to get one in person um, yeah but i'd almost forgotten about them and i had to ask you this morning what the the Nubia was called. I'd forgotten this morning. too. I, I reviewed the thing and, and I was sitting there on Google, like flexible smartwatch and like Googling different combinations of words, trying to find my own review. And then I saw it and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, Nubia Alpha, cool. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Um, any, any final thoughts before we wrap up on this one? I might buy one. <laughs> maybe it's chris buying one right now on the podcast <laughs> i'm watching the, watching the amount that are available go down and it's getting more and more tempting uh okay cool yeah so that is the amazfit x i'm hoping we can get one in we've had most of the other amazfit stuff in to take a look at so uh i want one <laughs> and obviously chris does too <laughs> and i'm curious about it <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, all right, from one sort of slightly daft concept that became a real product to another very daft concept that may appear in real products, but probably not for a while. Uh, Samsung is hyping up in a blog post of all places that it is working on 600 megapixel camera sensors. Um, to put that in context, the biggest you can get in a phone right now is 108 megapixels. Um, and only a year ago, even that was unthinkable. Um, within the space of a year, we went up from 48 to 64 to 108. Uh, and now Cam- uh, Samsung is talking about 600, um, which appears to be a number it's basically pulled out of the air, but only because it's bigger than the 500 megapixel number that it says is the sort of equivalent sensitivity of the human eye. Um, Somrata, what, what are they talking about? 
so that's exactly right. Um, so Yongin Park, who is the head of sensor bis- of the sensor business team um, at Samsung, mm-hmm. um, basically said that they're working on this sensor that would be 600 megapixels. Um, but the the challenge of that is it's very hard to fit such a large sensor onto a consumer device like a phone. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, a lot of space. I think if you made a 600 megapixel sensor right now, it would probably be the size of a phone, <laughs> give or take, <laughs> like getting close. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of real estate to think about. Um, so uh, what he did speak about in his post was essentially pixel binning, um, which is combining, well, the standard is four pixels yeah. uh, into one big pixel <laughs> um but i think samsung is really proud of its I, they call it the nona cell no their yeah. um nona uh, cell technology i think yeah. they use it in the s20 as well yeah and that that combines nine pixels into one yeah and that should hopefully help reduce yeah. the size um but the other aspect is it's not necessarily something we might see in phones at all. It could also be used in like drones and AI and self-driving cars. Um, so it may not be a consumer-facing um, Yeah, totally. Um, I think this is the kind of thing, you know, the, the blog post is kind of funny because they start off talking a lot about camera phones and DSLRs and like consumer products like that. And as it goes on, it becomes kind of clear that's not all they're talking about, especially because they start talking about sort of sensors detecting like ultraviolet light and things like that, that are obviously not something that's likely to pop up in a smartphone anytime soon. So um, I don't know what other businesses Samsung currently puts its image sensors in. Um, I think it only started developing them for phones because it's not got a real camera business. Um, But... I guess this is them positioning themselves to start selling this stuff for drones and things like that down the line if it if it's not already. Um, but the yeah, other, so, yeah. So, oh, sorry. I was going to say the other thing they talked about was like creating sensors for tastes and smells. Mm. So it's <laughs> it does seem a bit like hypothetical at this point. Yeah, and it's kind of a funny one because they start going into this sci-fi stuff towards the end of the blog post about yeah sensors for taste and smell. And so it then makes you look back at the 600 megapixel bit and think, oh, so you're not talking like next year, are you? Because actually, like, if we're all talking about this kind of stuff, like probably when you say 600 megapixel, you mean like maybe in five years. Um, you sort of, it, it made me go back and cast my eye on the beginning bit again and be a bit more like, oh, okay, you're working on this, but there's no indication of how close they are to um, to getting there. Um, and you know it, it, it is I think that that stuff about size is really all it comes down to like the 108 megapixels are uh, those sensors are big and that's part of why that's you know it is also the the sort of zoom lens that's partly to blame for this but it's part of why the camera module in the S20 Ultra is so massive because to fit in that 108 megapixel sensor um, and they basically have to do this combination of shrinking pixel sizes down um to, to make the sensors small enough that they can fit into a phone body. But the problem is, as you make pixels smaller, they capture less light anyway. So then they start using, you know, going from pixel binning with four pixels to pixel binning with nine pixels as this way of preserving light and detail. Um, but there is just a fear that it's diminishing returns. And, like, I think the biggest change we've seen over the with these high megapixel sensors 
is not actually the extra megapixels, but the fact that in order to make them work, they have to put them in bigger sensors than we would normally find in a phone. And the thing is, bigger image sensors capture more light and thus give you better images. And that's probably why these cameras have been so good. It's not actually the number of pixels, it's just the fact that they stopped trying to, you know, they, they couldn't shrink them any further, so they had to put a big sensor in. And then it's like, yeah, cool, but big sensors are good. Like, if you can find the space in a phone for a big sensor, it's going to take good photos. That just makes sense. That's physics. Yeah, Presumably, it's like, if it, these aren't coming into, I mean, if this does come into a phone, it's not going to be for a while. And then the processors by then are going to be able to cope with all of that data. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the, the process of developments to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to do the maths on how big, like, a, you know, an actual 600 megapixel image would yeah, be. Right. Well, I just can't imagine the, the use of it. Like, I don't think it seems like something that we would really need. No. Um, yeah, right. It just seems like a bit of a hype. It's it's kind of nonsense, at least in terms of that consumer phone space. And then it's they're obviously building it in that way and talking about it in reference to phones and stuff because they know then people like us will talk about it. Um, but I think you're right when you say that's not really what the aim of this is. And I could totally see that, say, it would be useful in drones where you want to have a drone flying very high and capturing a very detailed image of the ground. Like, uh, more megapixels are going to be good. And at that point, you don't need the sensor to be as small as it is in a phone. Um but we don't need it in a phone. That equally doesn't mean they're not going to work on it because we've obviously seen the S20 Ultra is a testament to that idea that they're just... Certainly Samsung is chasing megapixel counts as a marketing lead, um, and Xiaomi as well. They're one of the people who keep buying the 108 megapixel sensors from Samsung. Uh, the Motorola Edge Plus just announced that's got 108 megapixel in. So you know that went from one phone in the world having it last autumn to now we've got three or four flagship phones coming out with it and you just know the moment there's like 200 megapixel camera it'll be the exact same thing whether it's better or not people want to be able to quote that number in the headlines and it sounds good right and to people who don't know that much about this stuff and to be fair i kind of count myself in that i'm not a camera expert by any means but um high megapixel counts sound good people have been trained for such a long time to think that the bigger megapixel number means the better camera um, and the problem is, as soon as you try and explain all the other stuff, it gets incredibly complicated, whereas megapixels is a nice thing. Big number, better photo. Like, <laughs> it's easy. No one needs to explain anything. They just tell you, yeah, it's got so many megapixels, and you go, cool, pixels are good. I like them, you know. Um, I, do, you, do you imagine, like, software, like AI photo software would take over some of that space in terms of producing better pictures, but without having to have like a 600 megapixel count well that's kind of the thing it. isn't it right it's the two different angles people are taking like the sensor manufacturers obviously their game is sensor manufacturing so it's in samsung and sony's interest to push the idea that what matters is bigger better sensors because they make sensors and sell them to other phone companies um whereas it's in the interest of software companies like google to push the idea that actually it's algorithmic like image processing that matters and so that's why google is kind of stubbornly sticking to like 12 megapixel sensors and things like that to just try and be like no look we can get a better photo than you with a small sensor and lower pixels um i'll be honest yeah i think that that way is winning <laughs> uh we'll talk about it in a bit but like on the iphone se it's 
it's got the same 12 megapixel camera that was in the iPhone 8 three years ago and they just changed the processor and got gave it the software updates and suddenly it's a way, way, way better camera mm. without changing any of the That's hardware. That's really interesting. Mm. Um, I was about to bring up my Pixel 3 as usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's still the case that the Pixel cameras are hard for anyone else to match and... Uh, and, and even when we look at, say, the, the new Samsung line, the S20s, I know we like, you know, beat it to death a bit when they came out, but like the S20 Ultra camera has all the big fancy sensors, but it's probably not the best camera out of the lot. Like the specs are lower on the other ones, but they are better tuned to be able to handle them. Um, and the processors can deal with the lower, you know, those images better than it can. Um, you know, the 108 megapixel sensor is very good, but it's not necessarily sort of a game changer in terms of the actual right. photo quality at the end. Um, if you're like com compressing the pixels down anyway, it exactly. doesn't seem yeah. like it would make a big difference. You're, you're, you're still taking 12 megapixel photos at the end of the day. It's just right. how many pixels are there in the sensor at the beginning. But like I said, that's more actually a question of sensor size than pixel count. You know, that sensor is good because it is big. So it captures loads of light. Um, and that will always help like more than anything else. Um, but yeah I'm curious and as Chris pointed out like if nothing else regardless of when Samsung manages to build a 600 megapixel camera sensor they still need someone else to build a processor that can handle it yeah because uh, <laughs> an Exynos ain't going to do it um, and I, I don't think the Snapdragons are quite there yet they can just about crack 108 but uh, we'll be a few years of processor iterations off before uh, anything can actually process a photo taken with that kind of sensor. But yeah, I I hope that is that this isn't the future of smartphone photography. The bigger and bigger megapixel counts aren't where the way this is going to go. I keep hoping we're going to hit a cap soon and people are going to stop worrying about it. And it is going to be the software side where people start to realize it matters and people care more about what software is running on the camera than like the size of the sensor. I also think like natural people people are smart enough to start to start looking into these things and not fall for just like the, the marketing of yeah. a larger megapixel count. Yeah. Because if you're gonna pay loads of money for it, you wanna make sure that you're yeah. not just buying something that's unnecessary. Totally. Um all right. Yeah. Any any last words on silly camera sensors? Uh I'm more interested in smell of vision. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do with that. I want my yeah. phone to tell me how good my food is before I take it. Um, yeah, I mean, Instagram, that'd be a game changer for Instagram, oh, yeah. right? Camera yeah. sensor that can it's tell the food tastes as well. Uh, all right, cool. So um, I guess that's as good a point as any to wrap up on that and move on to the iPhone SE. We did talk about the SE a couple of weeks ago when it was announced. Um, but I now have one. I got one on Friday. We ordered one from the Apple Store. So I have spent the last week or so playing around with my nice fancy product red iPhone. Uh, there is an unboxing video on the channel. So hopefully a link is going to pop up in one corner or the other and take you to that video if you want to watch me unbox one. Um, yeah, I, I, I should probably preface this by saying I'm not an iPhone user and I never really have been. I've always been on Android. I have reviewed a couple iPhones and I used an iPhone 10 for about three months and then it got nicked. And then I went back to Android and actually breathed a bit of sigh of relief and was like, oh, I kind of missed Android. Um, 
so this is the caveat of someone who is not really an Apple fan, um, or, or rather not not a general iOS user and iOS fan. But I've been... I like this more than I thought I would. But I have some real caveats to that. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Does it feel... I know you haven't used like an iPhone 8 and various other iPhones, um, but does it feel like a, a new phone or does it feel like an old phone that's been re-released? Oh, it feels like an old phone. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think <laughs> you can get... Because of the touch, because of the button and the Having design. a button is so weird. I haven't yeah. used a phone with a butt like a button on the front <laughs> in years. Um, I, you know, the thing I keep thinking about is that we talk about the fact that it's using an iPhone 8 chassis and design, and the iPhone 8 was, what, three years ago, three and a half years ago? I'm not sure. Um, and so we kind of say, oh, it's like a th- three-year-old design. But the iPhone 8 was the last phone to use that design. Like, it was an old design when it, was in the iPhone 8. So actually, like, this is a design language that's about seven years old, um, which is just kind of unfathomable. And I'm trying to imagine, like, what would happen if Samsung put out, like, an A5, Galaxy A5 for 400 quid and used the design they'd used in, like, the the S4. Like, they'd be laughed out of, like, out of the tech industry. No, No one would have any interest. And the caveat to that is obviously Apple phones looked a lot better than almost everyone else's back then. So the design has aged better than any of the Android equivalents. Um, but that is still the thing I can't get over. The fact that there's just these huge bezels at the top um, and like the big button at the bottom. I can't do swiping gestures to get around the interface. Even though iOS has that because it uses it on the other phones, they won't let me use it on this phone. I have to use the home button to do everything whether I want to or not. Um, and little things like that still feel very odd. Um, I mean, I don't it's even... basically an iPhone six, isn't it? Which is from twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah. You know, from some <laughs> I mean, way looking with, at that's basically with, with it. some very small tweaks to the the look on the yeah. back mainly, but otherwise it is basically the same thing. Exactly. Do you um, think it's more uh, strategic so that they can push iPhone customers towards the eleven or the 12 instead of no i think they they want to sell a lot of this and and i think they will sell a lot of this i my my weird position on the iphone se like i've had to try and sum it up is that i think it's not a particularly good phone but it's a really really smart business decision and they're going to sell a lot of them um and make a lot of money from it i think there are a lot of people out there who haven't yet made the move away from a home button and towards gesture controls and whatever and are maybe nervous about that transition and so the idea that they can be told look you can buy a new iphone it's cheap it will still get another three or four years of software support um and it will still take good photos now and it will still be fast it's not as slow as your six feels but you don't have to learn anything new it looks just like your current iphone i think a lot of people will want that um um, yeah. it's like we said on the pre when we were talking about it before we were basically saying you know this isn't for the techie yeah. phone user it's for the people that want the touch id they want the exactly. home button <clears throat> they want something cheap um and they want the even they want the small screen the 4.7 inch screen yeah um and obviously it makes a lot of sense from apple because they have all these parts around i'm sure this is a combination of using old iphone 8 parts they already have ready to go 
and knowing that they can still manufacture all those bits for less than it costs them to manufacture any of the equivalent bits for sort of, a, you know, rather than them switching to a full screen display, um, that would have proportionally cost them a lot more and eaten into the margins of this a lot. Um, so it makes sense, but it equally does feel a bit to me like it's fobbing people off who don't know better and kind of saying to them like, yeah, have this old tech, like it's, it's what you want. And it's, Apple's not trying to push them towards anything new or encourage them to adopt new stuff. It's kind of like coddling them a bit with like an old phone um, that it knows people will buy. Um, you know, and the screen is small and that's fine. I don't mind the fact that it's a small display. It's actually, I was, we always complain about every phone being big. I really enjoyed the fact that this is a small phone with a small display. It's light, it's 150 grams, slightly less than that, which has been really, really good. Um, I like stuff like that, but the bezels, the fact that it's 750p, so it's not even full HD, um, <laughs> it's that just feels weird. I think I'd even be ragging on an Android phone that wasn't yeah. running at full HD at this price point. You can get a £200 Android phone that's full HD. It does um, seem like it's like Apple's trying to play the middle range field without trying to dilute its brand mm. um, and just making it affordable, but then it's also a product that people are familiar with. Yeah. And those who will buy it will buy it. it it's a com- it's them. a comfort phone, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that's fine. And, and you know, that's all bad stuff so far, really. There is a lot that, to say that's good and that I do like about it. Um, I like I said, I like the size. I like the design in, you know, from the back, it looks like a very, very nice phone. The front I don't like, but um, I love the fact that it's still slim. It's still really light. It feels premium, and although like you can get Android phones at this price with full screen displays and stuff like that, there's still sometimes they don't quite get that polish to the whole thing, that little Apple thing that just everything feels like a really pristine, polished, put well put together piece of kit that's hard to find at this price point in Android. Um, obviously, iOS, you either like it or you don't. I'm more of an Android fan personally, and I, I'm still very clunky and slow on iOS. But it's this running iOS 13. It's pretty smooth. It's pretty fast. You do have the like modern process from the 11. That means you can play lots of um, high-end games. This is, again, stuff you couldn't really do on a comparable Android. It's hard to get the top-end Snapdragon processor on a phone at this price on the Android side of the market. Um, I don't think there would be anything at £400 for, or $400 with a Snapdragon 865 and even a 765. I'm not sure you'd get for that price. Um, and that's something Apple can do because it controls that whole process. And that's good. Uh, it's worth noting that you aren't getting iPhone 11 performance. There is a gig less RAM, most people think, based on teardowns. Um, so that is going to affect things. More importantly, I've found just the thermals are a lot worse. So it overheats. And when it overheats, it throttles. And this is why there was some debate for a bit about whether it was underclocked or something. And I don't think it's underclocked. It's just that if you're doing anything longer term it's going to overheat and when it gets hot it will slow the processor down to save it from damage which means long term it won't quite be the same which certainly means for say gaming like it will still play games very well and it's a great chip but actually you know over a half hour gaming session it's not going to perform as well as the iphone 11 um and it gets hot like noticeably hot the bit around the camera module on the back this whole section there um runs runs really hot even if i'm just sitting on whatsapp and, and instagram uh, and I put my finger sort of at that bit in the back corner of the phone, it is hot to the touch, which is worrying. And that makes me worry about long-term health of the product because I feel like this chassis was not built for a processor this hot um, and powerful. What's the battery life like? 
bad. Um, some days it's been okay. I've had a couple days where I've hit like four hours screen on time, but I've had others where I've had maybe an hour and a half of screen on time, two hours. Um, first couple days I had it, it was running down to two or 3% by the end of the day, um, which is worrying again for a new product because you know it's going to get worse over time. Um, this is not an all day phone. And it might be an all day phone when you first get it if you're a light user, but within six months it will not be an all day phone. And I know that's something we say a lot about iPhones and most iPhone users I know are just used to carrying battery packs around with them. And I just want to grab them and just say like, there's a better way. Like you don't have to be like this. Um, and I think it's a shame. It's just the thing, it's a very thin light phone and that's because they put a small battery in. That's all it comes down to. It's a sub 2000 milliamp hour battery, which again, you wouldn't find on the Android side at all anymore, but it's what lets them make it so slim. Um, and again, I guess they're, they're limited by the iPhone 8 chassis. That's the chassis they picked three years ago. And the whole point is to reuse that part. So we'll probably start selling battery cases with it soon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's a, a $60 battery case you can buy from the Apple store right now. Um, and that'll solve all your problems. But yeah, it's that's basically the big hesitation for me is a lot of the rest of the phone I like, but it's just like two of the fundamentals are not there, which is the display and the battery. And... I could kind of forgive one, but having both of them not be there is a bit troubling for me. Um, what I will say is good, because we touched on it briefly earlier, is the camera. The camera is really, really solid. You are, it's just got the one 12 megapixel lens. So the big thing you're losing is the versatility. There's no wide angle, there's no telephoto. Um, and again, on the flip side, in the Android space, you would probably be able to get a three or four lens camera at this price pretty reliably. On the other hand, they'd probably all be a bit bad. Uh, and I much prefer this model and the same in the Pixel 3a and hopefully the 4a where they just put in one lens but make it good and have the software to make it work well. Mm -hmm. And I'd always rather have one lens that takes good photos than three lenses that take bad photos or middling photos, uh, which is kind of where the Android budget mid-range space has ended up now. People chasing after how many lenses they can cram on the back regardless of whether they're any good or not this is what's yeah that's what's annoying me at the moment after like testing quite a few phones recently and i've got the moto g8 at the moment and it's like what are all mm. these cameras doing like the the just, g8 range is awful like, for it yeah i like the g8 range but all of them have three or four lenses and they're all terrible um aside from the main lens which is fine and it's just like you just need that that's the only one anyone needs um i'd much rather have this so like the camera is good and you can tell that's the a13 like doing its work um there are oddities it's like the iphone 10r in that the portrait mode only works on people um which rather than any other objects or animals which is a shame because google's figured out how to do it for everything with one lens um and the thing i really don't understand is there's no night mode which confuses me because that's purely a computational thing essentially like the fact that there's one lens shouldn't matter there so i don't understand why there's no night mode and I'd love Especially to understand when it's thinking. got the, the decent processor as well. Well, exactly. The, the A13 in here can comfortably handle it. There's no hardware missing from a lens perspective. Um, I don't know if it's in terms of like image processors that there's something missing here that is on the 11 series that they're not talking about. Um, mm, it, it, normally, it would be a sort of case of Apple saying, oh, that's, you know, give you one reason to among yep. others, to get an iPhone 11. But, yeah, like we've said, they're not really trying to push people up 
to that. Like, it doesn't feel like anyway. that's the point of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a bit of an odd one, but otherwise, if you just want a really solid camera, you can mostly take around and point and shoot at things. This has gotten me some really, really lovely photos, and I've been really happy with it. Um, which is obviously the power of that chipset, and that's the strength of this phone. And it basically puts it in the same space. This feels a lot like Apple copying the Pixel 3a, which in a way has some of the same flaws that the 3a is also kind of bezelly and and not like a super premium looking phone compared to the other stuff at that price point. But it just delivers well on the camera and on overall performance. And they're kind of trusting that it will make up for the fact that it's not up to the competition in some other specs. Um, it also feels tellingly like an American phone in that we often talk about that the America doesn't have a mid-range market. And so this can storm in and you've seen lots of American reviewers falling over themselves in praise that you get this much phone for £400, $400 uh, which is just such a different space to where we are in Europe and certainly Asia even more so, where you can get so many different phones at that price and so many different specs to choose from and all of that. Um, it feels less competitive here than I'm sure it must in the, in the States, which again was the same thing with the 3A. I remember everyone being in awe of how much the 3A gave you for the price in America. Whereas over here, it was like, oh yeah, 3A, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, still like, tough competition though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen um, the sales or the supposed sales figures for the SE this morning? Yeah, the, the, it's apparently doing better than expected, right? Yeah, so like 12 to 14 million uh, for Apple's Q3 when estimated it was 10 million. Yeah. It's just like... 20% over. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it's doing better than they seem to expect is interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's just a telling thing about right now that no one wants to buy flagships and it's just perfect timing on their part. There's the time to come out with a phone that costs yeah. half the price of every other iPhone you can buy. Um, it's, you know, ideal. So, mm. But the plus model, it. the rumored plus model is, is delayed until next year. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they obviously never did an SE Plus before, but since this is basically an 8, people thought they might do yeah. just take the 8 Plus chassis and put, put the A13 in it, same deal. But yeah, we're now hearing that might happen next year. That yeah. I mean, if that if they put that out next year and it's still got the bezels on the home button, I mean, it's bad now, but a year from now? Yeah. How long can they keep going like this before they Surely. just admit that they've got to put the full screen in? Surely the fact that if it's delayed... To next year supposedly is to do with supply chain and stuff yeah. surely that that sort of delay just means it's not worth it and like do something new I yeah i would have thought so i just want to see the 10r drop in price and something 10r-esque that you know has that look of the you know the 10s and the 11s but drop the display down to lcd not oled make it a bit smaller drop it to one camera lens, all that kind of like those kind of compromises, but still keep the look of the top end iPhones because they look great and this doesn't look great. Um, and uh, that's kind of the weird thing is that this feels like an iPhone that is function over form and Apple is never function over form. Like that's like the distinguishing feature of Apple for years has been they are the form over function company and you're paying over the odds for the performance you get, but it's because it will look incredible and you'll have the nicest looking phone of anyone you know and all of that and it's kind of weird that i feel like with the iphone 11 camera module and with the se now it feels like that's maybe it's maybe it's johnny ive leaving i don't know but it definitely feels like that shifted and the design is suddenly no longer at the forefront of the way iphones are being positioned um you know 
you would never call the SE the prettiest phone at £400. Uh, it's still maybe a good one, but it's an ugly one compared to the competition, which is weird. Um, but yeah, I, I I keep going back and forth on what I think of it, and I'm, I'm writing my review today or tomorrow, and uh, maybe putting pen to paper will help me sort of cement <laughs> my thoughts. But uh, it's it's a flawed phone, but there's some real strengths there as well. And I think I can't imagine anyone who's currently on Android being tempted to iOS by this phone, but I can totally see a lot of old iPhone users seeing it as a way to step up and get a new a new camera and a new processor without uh, breaking the bank. Mm. It's so tricky, isn't it? Because it totally dep- depends where you're coming from. Yeah. It's like I said on when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, like I know loads of people that really want, have been, been wanting this phone for a long time. Yeah. And some of those people basically didn't hold out and um, two of my friends moved to Pixels Right, and then and then this got announced, and he said, "Yeah, we would have we would have bought that because they were both on iPhone sixes, I think." Yeah, uh, and now the SE is like, "Oh, well, we got our pixels, and yeah, we would have got the SE, but it just took too long." <laughs> yeah, it's this funny space where Apple has gone from being the cutting edge thing to actually it's just because of their their ecosystem is so strong, it just becomes a safe choice where people who actually they don't care about whether their phone is cutting edge, they just want iPhone, and they'll buy whatever iPhone fits their price bracket and you know their their needs at the time and um it's a very different position for apple to be in versus where it was five six years ago where now they can just put out a phone that by most standards is fairly middling but it will do well because that's exactly what a lot of people are looking for and need and it fills that space in the market and in their portfolio really really well and they're going to sell a lot of them yeah right i think that's probably enough babbling on about an iphone this has been a long episode so uh Thank you everyone who has stuck with us all the way through this. Uh, thank you to Chris and Sonrata for joining me this week. And we will, of course, be back next week. I have lost track of what news is happening next week. I think the LG Velvet's getting an actual launch, so we'll have pricing and stuff. So maybe we'll talk about that. Beyond that, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but thank you. Leave a comment if you'd like to. Let us know what you think of all these phones, especially the SE. I would love to know what you guys think about it. And like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, everything like that. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.